every day on the big show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a big show. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I know it does. I know it does. That makes you a horrible, horrible person. I know it makes me bad. I, at least I'm self-aware of it, but I can't. Anyway. Well, that's how you feel. It, it is how I feel. Uh, welcome on back. Jake Scott, Gordon Monson, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It's uh, this time for What's Going On, uh, where we check in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network. And, Gordon, we're doing something uh, a little bit differently today. Um We've had a great guest on the station so far today talking about the Larry Scott thing. So we uh, we thought we'd pull a couple of minutes from each guest and uh, give our listeners kind of a uh, wide array of uh, thoughts on the matter. What do you think? Yeah, sounds good. So who are we hearing from, Austin? The good doctor. Yeah, you'll go uh, Chris Hill, John Wilner with uh, Scotty. And then uh, we'll finish with Dennis Dodd with DJ and PK. All right. Very nice. So here uh, are those three and their thoughts on uh, the exodus of one Larry Scott. Chris Hill joining us, former Utah Athletic Director. Larry Scott is out as the Pac-12 Commissioner. You know, I, I can speak. I can speak for me, and, and I know the other the other ads out there, the both that I knew that moved on other places are there. They're in a difficult spot, but I, I can tell you that most everybody, including you folks, you knew that this was probably the timing that was going to happen, and the president was going to make a decision, and Larry's when it was going to do his thinking on it, and you know this came down and I'm not surprised at the timing at all given the TV stuff. So you've been involved in a lot of things over a three-plus decade career, so I think you can speak to this. Going forward now, he's going to stay on to the end of June, so they'll start the process to get someone in there. How is that process, do you believe, going to work? Well, I guess from my standpoint, it's going to work that they're going to get which I have a little challenge with how these things are done now, is that uh, they'll get a search firm. Uh, the search firm will vet a lot of people, talk to a lot of people. The the presidents have probably an executive committee. I think they do have three people. I'm forgetting I think the Washington state uh, presidents on or whatever. And they'll vet people out, and the presidents will then make decisions. And I just hope that they make sure that they don't have a search firm give them all the names and not come up with their own or try to recruit somebody. You know, I came from the theory of coaching is that you you have your eye on people always, and then you use a search firm to help you find out what they're making or organize a travel. But at the end of the day, you may take suggestions, but you really want to be out in your mind recruiting the best you can. Going forward, uh it was at least perception-wise to one degree or another, depends on the beholder, but it was thought that uh, Larry Scott was arrogant and, and sometimes could be gruff and that type of thing, and there was a thing involving you that came to light back in the early days. How much does this person have to be a politician? Oh, a lot. Yeah, it has to be a politician with everybody, though. 
you know, and God has to understand how decisions are made on campuses. And so uh, that person has to be a, a big picture person and, and also somebody that knows what's going on on campus and knows the college nuances. You know, and in this day and age where things are changing, you know, with the, the uh, likeness and image stuff, I mean, that whole stuff has changed so much in the past five years that you've got to be on top of it and be able to support the schools in it. John Willer joining us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Uh, what will be the legacy of Larry Scott? When we look back on his tenure as commissioner, what are going to be the things that ultimately several years from now we'll look back on and, and will be the noticeable things that we'll, we'll usually end up talking about? Well, I mean, I got to imagine that we're going to be talking about the Pac-12 networks for a while, right? And and yeah. it's probably not going to be good conversations. Uh, I don't know how quickly they're going to be able to get that resolved just because of the existing contracts with their, with their broadcast partners, right? I mean, I think they're locked up with Comcast for three, at least three, maybe four more years. So, you know, that's going to be a, a point, certainly. Uh you know, what What? What are they going to do with the Pac-12 offices? Are they going to stay in San Francisco? Are they going to move them to Phoenix, Las Vegas, wherever, cheaper? Uh, so, but at the same time, you know, he's made some decisions that, that have been beneficial. Moving the basketball tournament to Las Vegas was a good move, right? I think that moving the football championship to Vegas, uh, which was delayed this year, but and will start up next year, good move. So it's not, he, his tenure is not without some wins, but the losses are pretty significant, and the losses are kind of stacking up here in the, these last few years. If you were the uh, commissioner or if you were giving advice to the co- new commissioner, what are the things that can be addressed right now? What are some of the things that can be fixed in the near future to try to give this conference a bit of a leg up? Well, I mean, that's tough because uh, so much of, of it hinges on the, the media situation and, and those negotiations aren't going to start for close to two years. And that's going to, you know, the future of the Pac-12 networks, the future of the conference office, those things are kind of all tied up into that calculation. Yeah. So there's, there's not that many things, I, I don't think. And, you know, they know where their championships are going to be held. Um I think that the you know one of the big things that, that a new commissioner is going to have to do is help the conference set a strategy for for this new legislation, name, image, likeness, where the athletes are going to be able to to get paid for the use for endorsing products. You know that's going to change the economic structure of college athletics, and it's going to change recruiting. And the Pac-12 needs to be ready, and it needs to you know not necessarily have one policy for every campus, but the campuses need direction. And I think that's something that the new commissioner really will have to kind of drill down into. All right, we're joined now by Dennis Dodd, National College Football Writer for CBSSports.com. Uh, yeah, I talked to him briefly last night, last night trying to confirm the news and you know, kind of asking him what his legacy would be. And he said, I don't know that for others to decide. But I did ask him, you know, had – you know, let's break this down. Had you gotten direct TV for the Pac-12 network, would we be having a different discussion right now? And he said, I don't know. You know, there was one AD told me that, you know, summing up his legacy, it was a series of failed strategies. And that was probably the best way to put it. When, you know, you talk about trying to play basketball games in China and having media days in Paramount Studios and the Rose Bowl, 
And meanwhile, losing market share, not winning games, losing traction and recruiting to the point where, as I wrote today, it's it's really a power four right now, guys. I know the Pac-12 is getting power five money, but competitively, recruiting-wise, percep- perception-wise, it's a power four. So I don't want it to be too dramatic, Dennis, but is this conference at a crossroads? Yeah, I think so. Um, look, at, at the end of the day, the networks are always going to pay for the West Coast markets. So whatever that looks like, you know, it, it's it, it's not going to fall off the earth. But you have the ACC now with their deal ramping up to 2036. They will pass the Pac-12 um, between now and 2025. And you have the CFP, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the Big 12 contracts all come up. And part of the reason, you know, it became untenable with Larry Scott is he signed too long a deal in, I want to say it was 2010, maybe a 12-year deal, to the point that the other Power Five conferences have been able to sign, you know, lap, if you will, the Pac-12 and sign new deals two and three times in that time frame. And it's left the Pac-12 behind revenue-wise. That everything I just talked about, you know, kind of goes from there. You, you don't have enough money for facilities. You can't attract an Urban Meyer if he was on the market. Wouldn't, couldn't, couldn't get him in the Pac-12. And that's just one example. All right, there you go. So uh, the good doctor Chris Hill, John Wilner, and uh, Dennis Dodd all on the station, all giving their thoughts on uh, Larry Scott and him leaving as commissioner of the Pac-12. Crossroads for the Pac-12. Hmm. Yep, uh, they got to make a good decision here uh, and and move forward. And there's only so much a, a new commissioner can do with the Pac-12 in order to improve its standing, but it can start and work around the edges and then work on the bigger things when the time is right. I don't know. I, I've been thinking about this all day. Um, what the, what they can do immediately, or or what I would change right away if you know I were to be selected for commissioner. And I, because <laughs> I mean, with the current TV contract, you can't go from nine to eight conference games because you've already promised that inventory to the television networks. And if you did do that, then you're going to get less return on your TV deal. And we know that is also one of the problems. So I don't think that that, <laughs> I don't think that, that can be fixed immediately. You know, they're, they're trying to bring integrity back to the refereeing and that sort of thing. I guess that's something you can work on. The only thing I really come up with that they can do, you know, day one, and and again, I don't know the the contracts, real estate, and all this stuff. But but Chris Hill mentioned it this morning. Get that get the headquarters out of San Francisco. You can yeah. do that day numero uno. I guess the other thing you could do is is figure out what to do with the Pac-12 network. And I don't know if the options there are, are any good. Yeah, it's tough because they're knee deep in it already. And you said you get out of San Francisco with the with the offices, but how long is the lease they've signed? Right, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't know those contracts and that sort of thing. I'm not sure. Um, but to you know, liquidate the network, get rid of all your equipment, uh, bring in ESPN or Fox as a partner, and and give them equity in the network. Unload that. I mean, I don't know how soon you could do that, or if that would have to be negotiated with the overall uh, media rights uh, contract coming up. I'm not sure how those details work, but you know, there's some things that the, that need to be done, and who knows how long it, it would take. But getting the headquarters out, doing something with the network. I, I don't know what they're going to do with the network, but you got to do something. Yeah, and I, well, it'd be nice to have a little better distribution too, right? Well, that that's not changing. 
Yeah. I mean, because DirecTV, if DirecTV were coming on board with the Pac-12, it, w- it would have happened in the last 10 years. So yeah. I don't, that's that's not changing. So I don't think the distribution is, is getting fixed until they, they partner with a television company that has leverage to get them on DirecTV. You know, DirecTV has to uh, negotiate with ESPN. You know, the ESPN has the clout. They can get it, those problems fixed. It might be good for, and I'm not talking about hiring uh, a showman or anybody who's just a, a, a bag of hot air, but it would be good to get somebody in there who could actually prop up the conference in a way with good energy, tell the truth about what's going on, and then... You know, somebody who can inspire a little bit, because like we talked about, some of those big problems are going to take time. But in the meantime, uh, spirits are dragging in this conference right now. Uh, the people I've talked to around the conference certainly indicate that. And so uh, bring somebody in who can provide that and, and maybe do some of the peripheral stuff that you were talking about, like move the offices when possible. Uh, but if 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 whoever they get as commissioner should probably visit all the aid, all the schools and especially key in on football and basketball. Well, talk to the coaches. Try to I mean because the recruiting is hurting right now. They have to improve the quality of their program. It's like the chicken or egg thing. Which comes first, the interest in the conference or the winning? See, there, you mentioned interest in the conference. I, I think there are some built-in disadvantages for the Pac-12 just simply being where it is in the country. I mean, it, there's just not the passion for college sports that, that there is in the southeastern part of this, uh, uh, of this country. So some of, that, some of that stuff is baked in, and, and I don't know how overcomable it is. But uh, uh, Dr- I'm telling you right now, though, Jake, when, when USC was really good, that Coliseum was pretty filled up. Right. Um, but Doc Hill mentioned uh, mentioned this morning that they need to go with somebody with a with a football background and kind of building off what you were saying. I, I think that's 100 percent true. And that though there can be little impacts there. You, you need a commissioner that understands that when you've got a team uh, that is, is, you know, like USC back in the day or Oregon at times, you know, when you've got your kind of marquee team, uh, you know, you need a guy who knows has enough sense to not have them play back-to-back road games on Saturday and Friday like they did to to USC and Oregon over the past five years where they dropped these random stupid games to Washington State because they're playing two road games and playing Saturday-Friday. You know, you little stuff like that where you can set yourself up for success just by having somebody who knows the sport. Yeah, I would agree with that. How important is it exposure for the conference? The fact that some of these games, people across the country – Struggle to see what 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 do you how important is that do you think Jake? So part of me thinks that that that's important, but also part of me thinks it's an excuse. Yeah, because you you need to make yourself much must watch television. You know, the those Oregon teams under Chip Kelly though that was much wa- must watch TV. Pete Carroll's USC teams. I mean, they true they were in more prime location time slots, but you were attracted to that product. Uh, you know. Arizona State and Washington State isn't really in a tree. It's not must-watch TV right now. The conference isn't must-watch. I mean, I think it's it's so. I guess Gordon, not to to uh, uh, chicken out on your question here, but it's a little bit of both. I mean, nobody wants to watch a game in the middle of the night. I get it, but you'll do it if the teams are good. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. 
Winning, winning is so very important, man. We know that. Everybody knows that. There are things you can do around the edges, but you got to have compelling teams. I mean, what do people out here know about the ACC? <laughs> it's got one good team in it. And uh, maybe, maybe if you want to add Notre Dame in on Knicks. I mean, they know hey, that. Hey, I'm Jake Scott, and I'm the newest Wahoo. <laughs> they don't know anything. Well, they don't know anything else. And the two most likely candidates, like you talked about, SC in Oregon, and yet they haven't been able to 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 to, to get there. Uh, it's interesting. I forget who which one of the guests said that about Urban Meyer that he wasn't going to SC because you know I mean, that was Wilner. Yeah, yeah. Wilner said they. You know, I mean, SC's got a lot of money, but does he want to step into a Pac-12 situation? Well, apparently he didn't. Well, but that might well, be USC's on choice, hand, too. We yeah, don't know exactly be. why yeah. he didn't get that job because yeah. you had a new president in there who wanted to kind of clean up the athletic department, which was needed, by the way. Yeah. Why? Because they were handing out scholarships to people because they were being bribed by celebrities? Well, I mean, that, that's the tip of the iceberg, but yeah. And Urban Meyer had a, had a, has a controversial past, you know? Well, I'm telling you right now, if Urban Meyer went to USC, USC is going to win and going to win big. And maybe, you know, maybe that would be an opportunity for him because he'd look around the, the Pac-12 and say, I can win that conference. And it's so weird to think because everybody wants to take care of everybody in the conference, right? Because you think it's the the equitable thing to do, the equal thing to do. But really, <laughs> what you want to do is have star teams. Yeah. Chris Hill talked and about if everybody, that this morning, and if everybody too. and if everybody else suffers on the on account of that, then well, that's the way it goes. No one's going to cry for Oregon State. Yeah, you'd rather be top heavy than deep as a conference, which seems counterproductive to to me as a fan who wants to watch competitive football games. But in the grand scheme of things, it's true. Well, and, and that goes for you, non-conference scheduling as well. I mean, you're not rewarded for scheduling interesting games against tough teams. You're rewarded for going undefeated, which seems stupid to me, but that's that's what it is. Well, when SC is great, they are the Pac-12, as far as the rest of the country thinks. They represent the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 hasn't had a team like that in a long time. And that gets back to recruiting, I think. And in some cases, the, the right coaches have to be in place. I mean, what Kyle Whittingham has done at Utah has been fantastic. That program has grown. But it's still not at the point where it can be seen as a marquee program. Sorry, Utah fans, if that angers anyone. Uh, and maybe that could happen eventually. But right now, they're not there. They're highly thought of and highly respected around the country. But they're not, they're not at that level that can lift the entire conference. Well, no, because they are... haven't. They've never won the conference. So, yeah, right. I would agree. I certainly agree with that. But you have Oregon, you have USC, and maybe some people think Washington. I, I, I'm not sure, but these programs have to get better in order to give the conference the kind of respect and representation it needs in order to be thought of at, at that level. And right now, that, that isn't happening. So you ask yourself, why isn't it happening? Well, look at the coaches at those schools. Are they good enough to compete with the Davos Swinnies of the world? Are, are they good enough? Are they getting the kind of athletes necessary to make that happen? Okay, so if I'm reading you right here, this should be the strategy for the next athletic director at, at Pac-12. So you bring in Oregon and USC, and you tell their athletic directors, 
you need to get better. <laughs> and then you bring in the rest of the athletic directors around the league <laughs> and say, worse. you guys need to get worse. <laughs> you guys have been winning too many football games and upsetting uh, the, the blue bloods of this conference. So we're going to need you to make some bad hires. Uh, it, I, I've got an idea. Make the tennis coach your football coach and the football coach your tennis coach. <laughs> and let's see how that goes. No, because I don't think that's the problem. I, I don't think the real problem is the quality of the best teams. Because people who say, oh, the, the Pac-12 devours itself, eh, what a bunch of bull. There, there haven't been that many great teams in the Pac-12. And if you have a great team, it's going to mow through that schedule, that in-league schedule. I, see, I, don't, I, I hear you, oh, and man, I don't necessarily I, I, disagree, I, I, but I think that Oregon team, the, the one that uh, beat Utah in the Pac-12 title game, the one with Justin Herbert, I think that was a really good team, and they randomly lost to Arizona State somehow. I mean, like in a bad Arizona State team, they randomly lose that. I mean, that that, that Oregon team's in the playoff for sure if they well, just get past yeah, but, the Sun Devils who had lost like four consecutive games. That gets back to what we talk about with the Jazz. Yeah, they look great on some nights, but can they do it consistently without taking their eye off the ball? Yeah, but I think that was Oregon a really good did Oregon that. team. It was good, but I mean, the difference between good and great is consistency. Yeah, okay. But And look, I, I understand. It's a lot easier to say these things than it is to do them. Okay, fellas, I want you to be good. I want you to be great. I want you to improve. Of course. But I think those schools are capable of doing that if they're if things are put together correctly. I mean, really, are you feeling sorry for Uncle Phil's franchise up there in Eugene? <laughs> no, I don't I don't feel bad for any of these schools. So I, you know, I don't know if it's an emphasis or if it's a lack of knowledge about how football is and what it needs to be to be great or give your best teams a good opportunity, like you said, in scheduling and whatnot, Uh, whatever it is, get yourself an expert, somebody who has done it, maybe at the SEC or or elsewhere, and get them in here and somebody who isn't going to sit there and brag about uh, how good the, the fencing in the conference is. All right, uh, so there you go. That's what's going on today. Uh, brought to you by our friends at Davis Vision. Davis Vision New Year special is going on now. Save $1,000 off normal pricing uh, through the end of January. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com. That's davisvisionmd.com. More Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. <laughs> This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. How's it going over there, Gordon? How you doing? It's going well. How you Although hang on? Where I, are I you? Do, I do make a request from, from Austin, though, on the OJs. We you play at some point in the show today. Used to be my girl. Love that song. It's a, sure. It's not, to, it's not Tuesday. It's not Total Request I know, Tuesday. but it's an OJ song. OJ Simpson? 
<laughs> but the good news is I don't have it in the system. So. Oh, good. So yeah. we won't be here. What's it called? Let me write it down. Used to be my girl. By O.J. Simpson? Come on. By the who, uh, who does that go out to? <laughs> no one in particular. No. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah, if you must you're, know. You're dedicating that to somebody? No. You, if you must know, um, my daughters and my wife and I were uh, at Times Square, and we were walking up and down. It was the middle of the summer, and we were walking up, and there was a guy, uh, a vendor, who was selling music on the street. And he was playing that song, and he was dancing. And, man, this guy had some great moves, and he was dancing. And so my whole family stopped to watch him dance. And to this day, anytime they hear that song, that's what they think of. It's a very fond, kind of quirky family memory. But, uh, yeah, I like that song. So so do they. Gordon, uh, the, the NFL coaching positions, the vacant ones, are getting snapped up quick. And I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, new Lions coach Dan Campbell had his introductory press conference today. Doesn't he want uh, Doesn't he want his players to, like, eat wait, the Wait, 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 can we play, uh, this, uh, can we play the, the sound? Okay. Yes, because that's <laughs> where we were going. So, okay, let's hear it. Austin, let's play the sound. Uh, used to be my girl? No, <laughs> no. I've got it. The, go. the Dan Campbell uh, clip. All right, and so this team's going to be built on uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth, all right, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you, and when you knock us down, we're going to get up, and on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right, and we're going to stand up, and then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right, and on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up, and then it's going to take three shots to get us down, and when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before, before long, we're going to be the last one standing, all right? That's going to be the mentality. All right, and we're going to learn that any loss that we take, we're going to make sure we feel the full pain of it and not go numb to it and learn from it. All right, and so. So there you go. He wants the right. teams to, to be All aggressive. Right. All right. All right. All right. Uh, Jake. <laughs> not all heroes wear capes. Yes. Okay. I, I might, uh, you know, <laughs> fine. If you want to make your team tougher, make them tougher. But that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You're going to eat both their kneecaps? <laughs> it's, you know what? I, I mean, it, it, it's a show, right? It's entertainment. I mean, that's it's what, dumb. That's what it's, it's, it thumbs down the game, though, Jake. It's just, I, I, I've always appreciated high intelligence when it comes to coaches in the NFL. I know there's a place for being tough. And don't tell me Bill Walsh wasn't tough, but he was, he was cerebral. He didn't talk about chewing people's kneecaps off or taking other hunks out of you. I mean, what a bunch of crap. I, 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 maybe, maybe if you can instill that kind of toughness in your players, fine. Go ahead and do it. But that well, sounds almost like a clown show to me. Oh, that's exactly what it is. I, listening to Eric Weddle earlier today, he, he said, he's like, this is, that's just for the fans. He said he could never get away with saying something like that in an NFL locker room. So I, I don't think that's the message he's going to be delivering to his team. But it, it's exactly that. It's a, it's a show. It's entertainment. It is a clown show. This is him uh, making his first impression on the fans, and now he's the crazy guy who wants to eat kneecaps, and that's yeah. exactly what he wanted. You know, he's not going in. He's not going up to Matthew Stafford and being like, "Oh, we're gonna knock us down, and we're gonna eat some kneecaps." No, he's not doing that. I mean, but it shows well, the most valuable thing I think a coach can do is demonstrate 
great judgment. And I understand that's the most valuable you, you, thing a you, coach can do, in my opinion, because they, they're put in situations where they have to they have to study things out and make the right call. And if you if you introduce yourself like this, it seems like your judgment is lagging right from jump. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Yeah, who is he? Army Hammer? Oh, <laughs> topical joke. Uh-huh. It, I don't know. I mean, have you ever had a kneecap? Have I had a kneecap? <laughs> I have. A, yes, I have a kneecap. I have two. No, actually. have you ever eaten one? Like the bone? The FBI is listening. <laughs> I mean, do turkeys have uh, kneecaps? I don't think wait, so. Wait, do wait, they? wait. Have you eaten a kneecap? No. Why would you even think that? Like, I why would do, that do, cross your mind? Like, are there have things? Have you ever eaten a kneecap? Are there, are there, you know, are there animals who, who humans eat uh, that have kneecaps? I've never seen it on a menu. You know how the bird's uh, legs bend back the other way or something? Some of them, are, do they have little kneecaps on there? I don't know. Austin, have you ever eaten a hubcap? <laughs> uh, not in the last 10 years, no. <laughs> I just, come on. This guy. Maybe he's really smart. Maybe he knows his football, and maybe he can motivate uh, guys to go out and play hard. But uh, any fan that's going to sit there and swallow that whole decaps and all. Have you ever eaten uh, a stocking a cap? A what? Have you ever eaten a stocking cap? What about a gas cap? <laughs> no. Stock market cap? You ever eaten one of those? Nope. Sorry, that was just it was so random. Have you ever eaten a kneecap? Well, that's what he just talked about doing. I just wondered if there was some kind of bird or something that had kneecaps. I don't, I I don't know. know. Well, speaking of markets, we're going to have a stock market update coming up next. Also, uh, Austin's list. Sam Amick at 4 o'clock. John Canzano at 4.30. Mike Yam at 5. Chucky Keaton at 5.30. And Tim Lacombe will jump on at 5.50 to make NFL picks. Jam-packed show. More next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. If I had put down $10 billion, I only would have had five left. Big show, time for a market update brought to you by friends at TryDayTrading.com. We'll get to Austin's list coming up here in a moment. Uh, But uh, Gordo, how'd the markets do today? Sorry, just took a swig of water. Gotta recover. You're recovering from drinking water? Oh, I drank that too fast. Uh, anyway, you know how you get powerful all of a sudden? You're just thirsty, so you got to drink something. That's what I did just as we were coming back from breaks. Okay. The market report. The Dow today, Jake, it reached record highs, and then it backed off a little bit. The uh, Dow was down 12 points. NASDAQ was up nearly 74 points, and the S&P up just over a point, a point and a fraction. So, it's kind of a mixed day, but nothing dramatic one way or the other. Up's good. That sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah. Especially at NASDAQ. It really went up. Yep. All right. Uh, market update brought to you by TryDayTrading.com. Now, anyone can be a day trader. Visit TryDayTrading.com. 
Uh, let's do a little Austin's list. Austin came in a grumpy mood today, so I'm I'm looking forward to this list. Let's oh, uh, uh, hit it, Austin. There isn't much that makes Austin Horton angry. Wait, who are we kidding? Almost everything makes Austin upset. This is Austin's airing of grievances. The tradition begins with the airing of grievances. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. All right, Austin's list. Our producer, Austin Horton, has an enemies list. Someplace that you don't want to find your name. Who are we putting on the list today? Uh, a lot of people. Okay. A, a big swath group of people uh, and and an individual uh, and just a, a general, I don't know this person that did this, but they're going on the list as well. Okay. So three <laughs> three stops here on the airing of grievances list today. Well, first we'll start with whoever invented the Mr. Nibbler nail clipper catcher for fingernails. Mr. Nibbler nail clipper. I'll say Clippings it again. catcher. Mr. Nibbler, nail clipper catcher for fingernails. Okay. All right. Have you ever uh, thought, you know, I just need to invent one thing, and then I'm set for life. Okay. I just got to have one good idea. Uh-huh. That's all. I'm not greedy. I just want one good idea. Okay. Well, I thought I'd come up with a fantastic idea, uh-huh. because I cannot stand uh, fingernail clippings. I don't like clipping my fingernails. I don't like clipping my daughter's fingernails. I don't like when people clip their own fingernails or toenails or whatever. Because as much as you try, you cannot contain every clipping. Oh, they fly. Correct. They fly, they jump, and then they hit the floor and turn invisible. And you can't find it. You're down on your hands and knees for 35 minutes looking for your pinky toe tail, uh, clip, uh, nail clipping, and it <laughs> so doesn't you, exist anymore. So okay. you step on it, Until right? the middle of the night when you go to the bathroom and it goes up uh, the top end in like a knife into the heel of your foot. So you I know, thought I'd... Co- well, hey, Austin, well, what do you think about people who clip their toenails and then pop them in their mouths? If that, if that person exists... <laughs> I've known some. Guantanamo for you. <laughs> and disappear. All right, now back to my list. Uh, the, uh, the, I thought I'd come up with this great invention. I was going to, I thought, okay, I'll take a ping pong ball and I'll slice it and I'll carve it and I'll put that around the, the fingernail or the toenail and I'll clip it and the clipping will land in that. Uh-huh. And then you just dump that. I'm going to go on Shark Tank. I'm going to be a billionaire. <laughs> I'll never have to talk to Gordon Monson again. It'll be a great life. And uh, (laughs) someone already invented it. So whoever invented the Mr. Nibbler, you're on the list. How does does it work? It's it's a little clear bulb. You put your finger or toe in there, and then the clip, the nail clipping goes in a slit on the other side. You clip it, and it just lands in the bubble there. Austin, this is America. You change something slightly on his design and just do it (laughs) The Mrs. Nibbler. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Come at me, bro. (laughs) You, you rip that I'm off. An equal opportunist. Make there. a better one. Yeah, don't worry about it, buddy. Uh, so yeah, he goes. He or she goes on the list for stealing my idea that they had first. Uh, also, a big group of people. Let just just make a rule. Just make a rule about the mask. Tell me what it is and stick to that rule. Don't change what kind of mask it can or can't be every other time I come to your place. Don't tell me that it has to be uh, b- 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 uh, apocalypse grade 
tactical military <laughs> style mask. So then I spend $800 on the thing, wear it into your establishment, and I see four people with paper towels uh, wrapped around their heads. Because well, you've know, changed but, the rule. But you are, you are doing your part. I don't care about that. I care about <laughs> I care about following the rule. And if I'm going to follow the rule, and then they change the rule, guess what? Papa mad. Stop changing the rules. Yeah, Make a rule you, and stick to but, it. But you've done it, and you've done it well. Well, okay, truly what happened is they've now said at this establishment that the mask I've worn there, I don't know, I'd say close to 100 times over the last year, <laughs> is not good enough. Uh, and, and then... Someone else the next day will say, oh, no, it is fine after I go and buy. But anyway, so just. Me- meanwhile, they're letting the, the dude with the fishnet mask correct. go right through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or his beard's thick enough. He'll, he'll, he'll the spittle will land in there. <laughs> Ridiculous stuff. And, and it's, I don't, I'm not playing this just to mask enforcement. It's, if you are of an, if you're of a, a decision maker anywhere, make the darn rule and keep it. Don't don't change it every other day. In fact, I'll allow a one time, once in a lifetime change to said rule. You get to change your mind once on the rule. You can't then go back. So make your decisions wise. So, so I, I agree with you. Like a country club enforcing no T-shirt policy. <laughs> it's either always yeah, or never. I got it. Yeah. No no exceptions for famous sports columnists. It's hard and fast. I'm with, exactly. Okay. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. I mean, it's course. a weird hypothetical sports columnist that's a Strangely random specific, job to put yeah. in there, Jake. Okay. And then finally this. If you missed the news out of Oklahoma today, they've got a state representative uh, who filed a bill calling for the creation of a Bigfoot hunting season in the state of Oklahoma. Representative Justin Humphrey filed House Bill 1648 on Wednesday, which would draft rules, dates, hunting licenses, and fees to catch the elusive Bigfoot creature, according to Coco TV in, in the southeast uh, region of Oklahoma. His reasoning is he has a large, uh, one of the largest uh, Bigfoot field researcher organizations in the world is in his constituency, and he feels he has to represent their, their wants and wishes. So I've got two problems with this. Obviously, the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization funded this guy's campaign. Uh-huh. So that's my number one problem there. My second problem is I honestly don't hate this idea as long as that money goes to feeding the poor and hungry, clothing the poor and hungry, uh, better educating, uh, better uh, tools for educators in the state, better uh, benefits for teachers and police officers and, and military. If that, But if this fund... Uh, that you're charging a license fee to go hunt Bigfoot. If that money is going to build a third pool at the governor's mansion or at state representative uh, Jay Jay Humphrey or whatever his name is, Jay Humphrey, Justin Humphrey, nah, I'm not okay with it. So people are up in arms that, oh, this guy's crazy, a Bigfoot hunting season, which, yeah, that's, that's weird. That's odd. That's crazy. I don't believe Bigfoot exists. But if that money is, why is that money any different than running a Powerball? Honestly, and taking that money and putting it into education. Yeah, this sounds like a grift to me. Yeah, yeah I yeah. hear you. Yeah, this is so, one so, of those things. Uh, so a question there, Austin. What, I mean, what do you get if you bag the Loch Ness Monster? Well, I don't know what the license fee is over there in, in uh, good old Ireland. for, Or is it well, Scotland? Yeah. 
And I don't think you get anything for shooting the Bigfoot either. You just have a license to do so. So that if you end up shooting Bigfoot, yeah, you're right. not going and to And if I were a big, hairy fella, I would steer clear of Oklahoma. <laughs> Are you Stephen uh, Adams? They, not a good place for you. Not a good place for you. Good <laughs> thing you're why, in New Orleans that's now. That's why I left. Uh, okay, so are they pretty certain that Bigfoot does reside there within the state boundaries of Oklahoma? Uh, the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization believes so. Yes. I didn't know that. I didn't and know they Bigfoot. got they got Justin Bigfoot Humphrey elected. The, so I thought Bigfoot was in the Pacific Northwest. No, that's Sasquatch. That's oh. his Pacific Northwest cousin. <laughs> I, and the Yeti is in the Himalayans. Hey, Gordon, I've, I've got a snipe license I'd like to sell you. A snipe hunting license. It, what, it costs uh, $1,000. What do you think? What's in Utah? Is there something living up in the mountains in Utah that's uh, that they could uh, you know, rip people off here? Uh, yeah, the, the Bear Lake monster. Uh, and what's that? It's it, There's a legend that there's an under-the-earth tunnel... From uh, Loch Ness to Bear Lake, and the monster summers here and winters there. That, that's a thing? Yep. <laughs> really? Yep. That's quite a swim. Well, he's a monster. Uh, he can do it. He's going right through, through the, the middle, magma and yeah. the crust of the earth. And, 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 it shortens okay. the trip significantly. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, so uh, some slimy politician in Oklahoma yes. who's, who's uh, separating people from their money. Is going on the list. All right. Not Jay yes. Humphreys, the former jazz no, player. Oh, I'm sorry, but, Jay. Uh, yeah. no, okay. Good. Good. Big listener, I'm sure. I'm Jay sure. Humphrey, yeah. Wanted to clear that up. And also Mr. Nibbler inventor, because that was my idea second, so it should be my idea first. I have a question on that. How did he come up with the name Mr. Nibbler? That sounds like a marketing mistake. Uh, that's a question I would have never thought of asking, but you, I'm glad you did. You should get Mr. Nibbler on the horn and ask him that there, Gordo. It is. It does. Why would you call it Mr. Nibbler? He's sexist, <laughs> first of all. What's wrong with Mrs. Nibbler? Has to be a Mr. Nibbler? Good point. Don't support this product. Wait till I come out with mine and then support that one. All right. All right, stay tuned. We've got Sam Amick coming up right around the corner. In fact, we're uh, jam-packed with guests for the rest of the show. Sam at 4, uh, John Canzano at 4.30, uh, Mike Yam at 5, and uh, Chucky Keaton at 5.30. And then Tim Lacombe's going to jump on for a minute, and uh, we'll do NFL picks at uh, 5.50. So stay he's tuned. Gonna, he's going to gloat. More Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.